Welcome to the Neuroscience for Sales Success Podcast, rewiring your brain in three, two, one. This show exists for one purpose and one purpose only, to create rapid business growth. These tactics can be applied to your career and bring instant transformation. It's brutally honest, refreshing, and proactive. It's gonna hit you where you live because it's applicable and relatable. It's unconventional and dependable. This is the show where you are developed as a leader. You are developed as a high achiever. You are developed in a way that gives you a full life, one of purpose, passion, power, and prosperity. And here is your host, Kalen Ellsbury. Hey Sharks, welcome back to the Neuroscience of Sales Success. I'm your host, Kalen Ellsbury, and I'm here today with one of my all-time favorite people. He's been a mentor, he's been a friend, He's visited me several times in the hospital, and we've had a ton of good laughs over the years. So welcome to the show, Todd. Thanks, Kaylin. Glad to be here. Yay. So let's start off. Not everybody knows who you are or what you do, and we're going to have a big list in the show notes for everyone. But can you start us off with, tell us a little bit more about yourself and what you do. Sure. Well, uh, my company is based in San Diego, California, and uh, we buy and sell real estate here locally. We've bought and sold over a thousand houses uh, using actually none of our own cash or credit uh, to start out with. And as a matter of fact, um, that, that's exactly how I started out, right? And so if you're listening to this, um, we, we'll get into the sales and, and the science uh, uh, of the mind here. But um, you can buy real estate without cash, without credit, without uh, taking on risk without using banks. And uh, I didn't know that starting, but that's basically why, how our company started. Um, I've gone into training and coaching real estate investors and helping them buy more real estate. And so that's the center of our business right now is acquiring real estate, both residential, commercial, and then also the training side. Let's back it up. Why do you do it? I mean, there's a billion careers. Why'd you pick that one? Uh, well, frankly, the money, <laughs> yes. I, you know, some people are like, it's my passion. Um, I'll tell you what, uh, I, I love, uh, writing my own paycheck. I love it. And so for me, Kaylin, you know, I remember I was working for a pharmaceutical company. I was working for Pfizer. This is back in 2000 and I was actually selling Viagra. <laughs> I did not know that. <laughs> yeah, the, the the competition was stiff. Sales okay. were uh, up, and uh, it was a grind. <laughs> Is that two pun, three puns? Uh, two, in two, row? two. Yeah, yeah. Stiff uh, up and grind. Uh, okay, yeah. okay. I see you, Todd. Go on. <laughs> um, so, uh, I, you know, it's when I was living in I was living in Santa Barbara at the time, and I was really, really, really fortunate enough to have a great mentor. And if Derek, you're listening to this, I love you. Thank you so much for hiring me and the training and the coaching. Uh, I, I'm I'm have a ton of gratitude. Um, but about two years in, I had this realization because I was living up in Santa Barbara and I was like, I'm never going to be able to afford a real house up here. Right. I remember I was making about a hundred thousand dollars a year, had a company car, had all the insurance, the 401ks. And I'm like, you know, I've got to be making at least two fifty, Right. And, and so for me, I, at the time I knew I wanted a family. I knew I wanted a big family and a house and the white picket fence. And I'm like doing the math. Did you and know I'm like, your wife at this time? I knew her, uh, but we weren't together yet. Uh, and so, you know, I'm kind of starting to form this, this vision of how I want my life to play out. And so what triggered it was I actually got someone hired for Pfizer and they brought him uh, $10,000 higher than me. And again, this wasn't bad. It, it was just, you know, it, it just was what it, it it was what it was. And so I went to Derek and I was like, Derek, you know, I've got to be making twice as much as I am now. And in the, by the way, the, the way that 
the commission worked, it was capped, right? And it was more base salary and less commission. And so he looked at me and he's like, hey, Todd, you know, I'll tell you what, uh, let me try to protect you, right? If you ask for a raise right now, you're two years in, you're going to come off like really cocky and really ignorant. And you just don't know the way that the corporate world works. So I'm not going to submit this. I'm going to protect you. And, you know, he made me feel like a little kid, which I was, you know, to him. And uh, I got in my car and I just kind of kept my mouth shut. And I was driving on the one-on-one freeway and I was like totally embarrassed. And I had my tail between my legs and driving uh, through Oxnard, California, back to Santa Barbara, I see a Barnes and Nobles bookstore. And I, I look over there and something said, Todd, just pull over. And I went over three lanes of traffic. And I remember like everyone honking their horns and give me the finger. <laughs> I just made the exit past those big yellow barrels. I walked in the door and I picked up a book called Multiple Streams of Income called uh, from Robert Allen. I read through the whole book in one night. There's a section on real estate that says you find a distressed seller, you learn how to negotiate a good contract, you lock it up and it's game over. And yes. so- I, I believed it. I was completely naive. I spent some money on some direct mail, got some leads, met with a seller, didn't know what I was talking about, right? Didn't even have a good contract. We basically wrote it up on a, uh, a napkin, locked up the deal. Long story short, I had this piece of paper in my hand that said I could buy this piece of real estate for 280. I knew it was worth 380, right? I found the money. I asked a bunch of people. A bunch of people said no, found someone who said yes. We bought the deal. We resold it, split the money 50-50. I walked away with 40K. My partner walked away with 40K and uh, I was hooked. I was hooked. <laughs> but I've never heard this story. Yeah. Well, that's that's how I got started. I like it. Okay. So lots lots you talked about, right? Um, for all the listeners, we usually do some kind of an interview. I relate it back to mindset psychology, right? So here's what I heard. You had a lot of fears going on. And by the way, for those of you listening who run sales teams, you know the number one reason salespeople quit is you cut their territory or you cap their pay. And so it's just, it's really interesting to me that that was a very similar situation for you and one that like I haven't even heard of. And then there's three types of fear. We talk about this a lot in the workshops, but there's the fear of having less, the fear of experiencing loss, or the fear of never experiencing anything at all. And anytime we've got our backs against that proverbial wall or we're experiencing something where we need a breakthrough, chances are in your own life, there's one of those three fears being incredibly dominant in your life. And it sounds like that's exactly where you were is the fear of having less of an income of maybe losing the, the income because it was capped or never reaching the potential you wanted. Yeah, I agree. I mean, there's some people out there right? Where it's like, they just want to make their 60 or 80 grand a year. Right. And there's nothing wrong with that. Right. If you are that person, right. Just know that you're that person. Yeah. They're not listening to the show. (laughs) Right. You're not, but if you're listening to this, you're like, I just want to keep growing. Right. And if, if you're listening to this and you're making 30 grand a year, you're not happy that you want to make a hundred. And if you're at a hundred, you want to make two fifty. And if you're at two fifty, you want to make a million. The guy's making a million. He wants to make 50. Right. And just, that's just the way that we're wired. I have this, uh, what Ed Milet calls this blissful dissatisfaction, right? Where, mm. um, and there was a while where my wife was always like, why do you always put so much pressure on yourself? You know? And I, I was like, I don't, I don't put all this pressure on myself. I'm good. You know, like, uh, you know, I'm satisfied. And then finally I, I accepted that. I was like, no, I was like, this is who I am. It's my DNA. Right. Mm. And, and when I'm hungry and when I'm hunting, even when you're building a team and you're outsourcing a ton of stuff, you, if you're a hunter, right? You are a hunter for life, 
And as soon as you stop hunting, as soon as you lose that killer instinct, you may not feel it right away. But for me, at least, I think you start to die inside. Do you think that's where most people get stuck? Maybe people being as in sales teams or entrepreneurs? I think that um, we have an internal temperature of what we think that we're worth, right? Mm. Even though we always want to grow, right? So you always want to grow. And I think that we hit these plateaus. So you hit the income goal. And I've, I've seen this happen to me many times where you're really, really hungry. You hit that income goal, right? And you're like, I've made it, right? And then you stay there because we think we're not deserving, right? Or we self-sabotage. If we have this really, really good month, then you you back off. And so I've seen that a ton with my salespeople where I've written 40 and $50,000 commission checks. Jeez. And they, all of a sudden they disappear for three months. <laughs> uh, and I'm like, what happened? You know, and, and I know, you know, now I look back, I know what happened, right? Their internal temperature was off. Mm. Right. And so, uh, and I, and I've been guilty of that too, letting my, my feet off the gas. And so that's something I'm constantly aware of now is, 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 is pushing. And sometimes you have to force yourself to continue to push. Uh, and you know, it's important to take vacation and, and relax and recharge and all that. But that hunter mentality I've learned is at least for me necessary to keep growing. Well, okay. So we said a bunch of things again. Um, I always say we don't get our goals. We get what we believe we are. So at some point we hit that, that roadblock where it's like, Hey, this is the goal, but I'm willing to change my goal if I don't believe I'm worthy enough of it. And what you're saying is absolutely. And we just happen to be hunters where we can do the work-life balance. We can go on the vacations to Florida. We can, we can live our best life. And we have this dialogue in our heads that is saying, Hey, now's not the time to relax. Even though you're on vacation, enjoy the moment and know you've got to get back into it. Like we we're always hunting. We're always killing. That's, that's the moral of, as you said, like the, the fabric of our DNA. Yeah. Is that I about mean, what you're saying? Yeah, that, that's it. Right. And, and again, I think that, you know, it's funny. I, before we got on the show, I was on vacation for five days or six days and I had an awesome time. But, you know, by after coming back with um, kids and, and, you know, traveling, it's, you know, six or seven days. And so by day eight, I was ready to, to, to get back and, and keep that momentum going. <laughs> yeah. I, I can't imagine. Like, it's so funny. So right when I get back from bookings, um, for everybody listening, we just picked up a ton of listeners in, of all places, Louisville, Kentucky, because I wound up giving four back-to-back workshops there. And what was incredible about it was I'd never been to Louisville. And I got home and like that second, my flight didn't get in, delays, everything, coronavirus, TSA is freaking out, blah, blah, blah. So we get home. I don't know why I'm saying we, it was just me. Um, <laughs> I get home at like 1230 on Saturday and I pass out. And I'm looking forward to, you know, we've got Jesus time on Sunday, et cetera. So I'm like, okay, Monday it's on. I get to relax. I'm going to take Monday off. And I did for about four hours. And then I was like, oh, this is miserable. When am I leaving town again? Um, because it's that that fight or flight. And for for us, it's always the fight. Like, where's the next thing? How do, how do we pursue this? What would happen was great. High five. Now we're on to the next. And so I can totally relate to that. Let me ask you a very personal question because that's what we do here. Are you ready? I'm ready. Consider yourself successful. Ooh. <laughs> oh wow! Um, I do consider myself successful, uh, but I think that's dangerous, right? Because uh, there, there's a two-edged sword here, right? Is that there? I've accomplished a lot. Of, like I look back and I've accomplished a lot of the things that I've, you know, 
that, that I always wanted to accomplish, right? And that's uh, the bank account that I thought that I wanted, right? You know, the, the, the house and the kids and the marriage. Uh, right now at the moment, those are all working great for me and those were, have all been intentional. Um, and so I believe that I've hit a certain standard of success and I'm very grateful and I have a lot of gratitude for those things. Uh, there's, you know, sometimes where you've taken them for granted. Um, but I think it's important that, uh, you know, I, I've learned a lot from Dan Sullivan and what happens is when you rely on your past successes or your past accolades or your past results, we start, stop doing the very things that have made us successful, mm. right? We, we stop hunting. And, you know, the crazy thing is that, uh, at least in my life, I have seen that where you've done all this, these things in your life to make you successful, right? The hunting and, and, and breaking through barriers and being really gritty and, uh, you know, putting all this energy and enthusiasm and bringing people around you, you, if, if you, if you hit this spot in which you feel like you quote unquote made it right, your moment, your past momentum will carry you for a bit, right? But eventually if you stop doing that, that momentum will stop and you'll look around and say, okay, what's next? Right. And so, um, I'm at this point where I, yes, I'm, I have a lot of gratitude of, of the things that I have and I've done, uh, but I'm, I'm hungrier than ever right now. And so, you know, I guess you could say that I'm, uh, again, blissfully dissatisfied, <laughs> yeah, but I'm, gonna... I, you know, more than ever, I'm, I, I have a lot of gratitude for my family and my faith and, you know, we're in a beautiful, uh, an amazing country with a lot of, um, with a lot of uh, blessings. So I'm thankful for all of that. Mm. And so first of all, we're going to change it to blissful disparity because I can't directly copy Ed Milet. Um, <laughs> sure. So that's well, we cool. gave, I gave, I gave Ed credit earlier. So I don't know if you heard that. So yeah, but I'm going to take that as the episode title for the show. So, okay. uh, hey. Sounds good. <laughs> um, we're talking a lot about hunting, right? And you and I were both hunters. Um, and so that's, that's probably why we get along so well. One thing I want to ask is we talk also a lot about the stopping of momentum or whatever we hunt for today, we might not get to eat until months from now. Do you think it's that mindset that stops most people? Where do most people get stuck? They say they want to be hunters and yet they aren't. Where's, where's that gap? Where's that perspective shift? Oh, uh, that is a, an awesome question. So the if you take a look at anybody who's had any kind of longevity in sales what i mean longevity in sales right if you're listening to this and you have found yourself jumping from sales job to sales job to sales job uh and i define that as three jobs in 5 years right it's not Too generous you know that's not the sales job right <laughs> it's not the job um now of course those numbers could be skewed up and down i'm just using you know, generalities here, right? If you, if your, your income is at 50 grand in, in sales, um, it's not your job, right? It's your, your skill level and belief. And I don't mean that in a bad way. It's just something that you haven't learned yet. Can you explain that? You just got me confused. Reword that so, please. So if you're making less than 50 grand, if you're making, let me say this, if you're making 50 grand a year in sales, right? You're not 
working at your potential. There we right? go. Right. Boom. Um, you, you know, you should be making significantly over a hundred thousand dollars, right? And and hopefully more than two hundred thousand dollars. And so that's where the top performers lie, right? If you're in sales and you're dedicated to your craft and you are committed to being the best salesperson and working 40 hours a week, yet you don't have to work 60 hours a week, right? If you're willing to work consistently 40 hours a week, you can make 100, 150, 200 grand, right? And I see that by people who, number one, decide uh, that they're going to stick with an opportunity. Mm-hmm. Um. Number two, they understand, and this is not every sales position, but for the majority of the, that, the money is in the follow-up, right? The money is in the follow-up. And we say the, the momentum. Well, what are the chances that you are going to contact somebody today who's ready to buy right now, right? The chances are small, yeah, right? Like very, very small. 3%, I think. Yeah, 3%. And so by making contact with that person and by building a relationship with this person and then by relentlessly following up. And most importantly, and this is something I actually talk in my sales course for real estate investors is by compressing timelines. So a lot of people out there, and I'll get into this and I'll go answer your question here in a second, is that most people are going to procrastinate a sale and they don't know when and why they're going to buy. Right. And so if you can have them define that, and set deadlines for them and set expectations for them and help them come to their own decision-making process about when they're going to buy and why or not, right? You could drastically start to reduce that, that sales cycle. Now, when you say that most people don't want to, um, most people don't understand that this is a long person's game, you know, I get it, right? Sometimes you're in a, in a sales job and you want, you need to eat. Right, you need to eat, and the stress of maybe what your next paycheck is is gnawing at you, right? Mm-hmm. But there's a point where you're going to get over the hump. And I tell people, there's a great analogy in the uh, the compound effect, where if you're uh, you're pumping an old school water pump, those antique water pumps, and you know you're pumping it and you're pumping it and you're pumping it and pumping, it and no water's coming out, and no water is coming out, and no water is coming. Out. And then right around 90 days in every sales job right? You're going to start to see a little water come out, right? And the crazy thing is that most people don't quit when no no water is coming out, right? They're pumping and pumping and pumping. Like, I just got to get that sale. I just got to get that sale, right? And then all of a sudden they get those first couple of sales and the water starts to drip out and they're pumping and they say, this is not worth it. I'm working so hard for this amount of money where if they just kept going, right? That eight, 10, 12 months, 18 months, that water right? With not a lot of pumping, right? Is going to pour. And most people aren't thinking long-term enough to see that. Now there are bad sales opportunities and there are bad managers and there are companies that don't provide enough leads, right? I get that, right? But I'm going to assume that you are in a decent position where you have control of your own destiny, right? Mm. And, and, and I think that it's important that we don't make excuses when we're in sales, to now label our opportunity a bad opportunity because we're not putting in the work or we're not sharpening our skills or we're not um, going to work every day. Yeah. And at what point do you think people should just say, you know what, this isn't for me, I'm out? Oh, great question. Okay. Well, number one, I think they need to define what their criteria for success is. Well, know your outcome. We talk about this all the time in the trainings. There's five steps to achieving anything you could possibly ever want in life. 
And step one is always know your outcome. Beyond a shadow of a doubt, perfect clarity, absolutely know what you want your outcome to be. So well so, done. So for someone on my sales team, I know that if I get them five leads per day, right, they can write their own check. Mm. Right. If I get them five leads per day, because after five leads, right, you know, and this is where people don't realize this. If you're a sales, this is a total game changer. The money really is in the follow up, and people say that, but you don't really understand it, right? We just closed real estate deals of twenty two thousand dollars, forty four thousand dollars, fifty thousand dollars, and another thirty. Okay, and by the way, that's profit on on houses that we bought and flipped. High five. Four out of those six deals, okay, and this isn't you know it, it, this was an anomaly, right? Those leads were in our database for five or more years. Shut your face! Are you yeah. serious, right? Yes. Now, there, you know, we had actually went back and done some ringless voicemail and some texting to these people and revived some old leads, but they were there, right? And that just goes to show you that those people were not ready at those times. And if you looked in the notes, right, someone's been following up with them, right? And they're not spending hours with people who aren't motivated, but there's touching base, touching base, touching base, touching base, right? Yeah. And, it, and it's interesting because the guy who I've been working with the longest, guess what? Got the paychecks, yeah. <laughs> right? And so- um, going back to knowing the outcomes, uh, number one, determine what you need to succeed, right? So if it's the number of leads, is it, uh, and then what you're the, the, the amount of work that you're willing to put in, right? So you've got to put in your effort, you've got to put in the elbow grease and you've got to say, Hey, look, I'm going to work, you know, 30 hours a week or 40 hours a week or 20 hours a week, whatever that is, commit to it and then do it. Yeah. Right. And then finally give yourself a timeline, a realistic timeline. And of course, get training. Right. It's, 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 uh, I've had a lot of salespeople where I've begged to train. Right. I say, I'm not going to chase you. I'm not going to manage you. Uh, I just don't like doing that. Right. Mm. I, 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 I don't want to tell you to work, when to work and how to work. Right. No, that's not a salesperson. Uh, not a salesperson. Well, you know, and so I was like, so come to me if you want coaching and I will spend as much time as you want face to face on the phone. I don't care. I work for you. Mm. That's and, good. um, so few people take me up on it. Really? I yeah. feel like I've overused that privilege <laughs> in the friend card. I'm like texting you once a week, Todd, save me. What do I do? <laughs> well, I'm talking about people who, uh, I'm talking about people who work with you. Right. So, you know, you know, when I was at Pfizer, oh my gosh, Derek, Derek, this guy was a, 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 a fountain of knowledge, right. And, and loved to coach and Pfizer had so many learning opportunities. I mean, they just dumped money into you. And me being 21 years old and uh, so so stupid and naive, even though I left that opportunity, there were so many opportunities that I didn't capitalize on. Yeah. And so I wish I would have done more of that while I was there. Um, so again, define your outcomes and then two, put in the work and then three, use every resource. And then at, at some point, you know, if it's not there, fine, look for an opportunity. And then when you're ready to choose your opportunity, right, know your outcomes and choose the right opportunity. Because I can tell you this. I've had some great salespeople work with us for a long time and make a lot of money. And then I've had guys quit. One thing that I'm proud of is that every single salesperson that I've had come work in my company has done a real estate deal, right? With the exception of one person that I didn't hire. But we've had many leave. And they said the market was too hard. It was too competitive. Excuses. Uh, excuses, right? And so uh, every single person who has left, right, has left, I still te keep in touch with everybody. Oh, well, that's just being a good human. Well, 
Do you think that their life or income is any different than what it was when they were working with us? Probably not. All of them are making significantly less. Yeah. <laughs> right. And so, you know, I it saddens me, right? But it's 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 going back to, um, it takes discipline, right? It takes focus. It takes a long term game. I know this is a really long question to 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 what you're asking me. Yeah, but it's but good. It's the it's the long game, right? And so, yes, you got to play your short game. You've got to make money today. You've got to go out and hunt, and you've got to hustle. But then you got to know that your pipeline is where your um, is the, is the shade that is going to be there 10 years because you planted a tree. Mm, so good. So good. Yeah. Super long answer and yet very helpful because <laughs> it's interesting. Like I even, uh, one of the things I'm trying to do is that I'm looking at my business and saying, okay, where's, where's the end game. And I, in my, in my heart and in my head, I, I know it without a shadow of a doubt. And then the question comes is, am I doing a lot of band-aid solutions? That's what we call it in truck school. Um, and do we also have the infrastructure for the long game? And I do think that that's where a lot of us get off track as, as we forget about, Hey, this works for today and we need to know how to pivot. What do you think? Um, let's say we could line up every salesperson in the world right now and you could separate them from the high achievers and the ones who are making significantly less. (laughs) It's not about income, right? Like happiness, all this other stuff too. But for this show today, we're talking about money. What's the difference? If you could boil it down to one thing you see, because how many salespeople do you think you've hired and trained? Uh, Probably two dozen. Probably two dozen. Two Two dozen. dozen? That's it? That's it. Wow, you're efficient. Okay. Um, What do you think that difference is? I'm going to give an unpopular answer. Yes. Give me some controversy. Okay. So it depends. Do you want to be the tortoise or the hare? Right. That that's where it really depends because I've hired uh well, I'm gonna use some names here. All right. So I hired this one guy, his name was Pete. And Pete, man, this guy came in, total ADD, so much enthusiasm, totally crazy. And this guy was spitting sunflower seeds all over my office. All right. <laughs> I love and Pete. And <laughs> he's going, he's going <laughs> and he would type and he would talk fast, oh. and all the other salespeople would hate him. But this guy started closing deals left and right. His first of couple he did. Weeks. Right. And, and Pete would work two hours a day, max. Right. That's like generous. Right. (laughs) And he's like, I gotta go. I gotta go. And he's texting his wife and you know, he's talking dirty on Facebook messenger and leaving it wide open so everyone can see it. (laughs) And, but I was just like, you know, Pete, this is, what are you doing? Are you doing something illegal? You know? (laughs) And I've had some other guys like that. I had this guy named Sutton like that. And you know, they came in really, really strong and really, really fast but they were high maintenance, right? They, they didn't listen to procedures. They broke all the rules, um, you know, but we're holding on and, and, and it was crazy, right? Well, you know, Pete was really disturbing the office, right? And so was Sutton and, and you know, a lot of them wanted to start their own companies um, or they're unhappy that they were there. And they're like, as soon as I have marketing money, I'm going to do my own thing. And, you know, we tolerated that because we were making money. Right. Well, one day Pete, he was so disruptive. I was like, Pete, I was like, I love you. I want to keep working with you, but you can't keep walking in and out of the office for two hours a day because you're setting a bad example for everybody else. Right. You know? So I was like, I was like, you know, you work from home, right. Or you work from home. What's that? I was just making, I said, bye Pete. Pete. (laughs) Yeah. Or I said, you got to stay here the full eight hours, but you can't let everyone see what you're doing. I love you. Right. But you, you know, just, you, you gotta, you know, 
Hailless. Um, you know, and, and that was, uh, long story short, Pete was gone, right? Within a month. Um, and same thing with, you know, this guy Sutton, but and both great people, right? But they were, they were these slayers who had no patience. And I always talked about the long game, but they never really took it seriously. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I understand. I understand. I understand. But it was always about today, 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 today. And if they weren't making a million bucks today, the, the opportunity was no good, right? And both of those guys have had like seven or eight opportunities since then, right? Um, I've had other people where it's funny if they take the disc test, right? Mm-hmm. You know, and, and a lot like Chet Holmes and all the people say, hey, you want a high driver, high eye, you know, and, 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 you know, they're killers. And that is true. Um, but I've seen the running a business. If you want consistent, predictable income, uh, I see, I've seen a lot of people who are successful, who are those steady eddies, mm-hmm. right? And so I'd rather have, uh, 10 steady eddies on my team who are willing to put in the work and be consistent and, um, you know, uh, not blow the place down, Right, so that I can run a business, right? So I prefer to have the business work for me and not me to work for the business. Mm-hmm. Well, um, and and so hiring those people have been a, a blessing. Now, let me say this: having some of those high-paced people on your sales team sometimes can shake things up and drive everyone to do better, right? But if I had to choose between the steady Eddie and the killer, right, I'm probably going to choose the steady Eddie. Yeah. Right? If if you can uh, if you can get a mix and there's a manager in place who can get between you and the killers, right? Then you're golden. <laughs> I, I couldn't agree with you more. It's interesting. So um, we do a lot of research on personality types, right? I mean, neuroscience, we got to have the right team. And first of all, almost every major personality profile has been disproven um, about like what it takes to build an organization. So I've never put a lot of credence into DISC and Myers-Briggs and all that. Um, Google how they started. And um, I'm not familiar as much with the disc. I know that's the Tony Robbins side. Um, But a lot of these tests are just consistently misproven, especially when you take into account the different facets of the team. And uh, from whether it's like recruiting in the background or even some of the the companies I'm working with now, I mean, we have to balance it out. Like the, the killers, the hunters come in the short term ones, they get everybody excited. And that's actually corporate culture. And so we keep them to keep that that vigor in. But the number one outperformers in every company I've ever gone into, those are the ones where they're like a solid B or C salesperson, they're second, third string, but yet they're consistently second or third string. And there's no swings. And then over time, they wind up making much, much more. So I think that's exactly what you're saying and what American businesses are starting to echo. So high five for that. Thank you. Yeah. You know, I've got a buddy of mine who's been in medical devices for, uh, geez, 25 years and, uh, you know, he makes 250 a year, right? And he's not, you know, he, he works a 40 hour work week, right? I wouldn't call him this like crazily, crazy talented salesperson, but he's refined his skill. So he goes in there, he asks the right questions, he shows up, right? And um, he's just, you know, chopping the tree, right? And so I've come to a realization about skill or personality and sales, um, or th- actually three, three main points, if I can share them. Yeah. Uh, number one is that, uh, uh, to succeed right in, in any kind of business, you must learn sales. Yeah. Right. 100%. And like what, you know, and if you, if you think that like, I'm not a salesperson or I'm not in sales, you're, you're crazy, right? Everything that you do, 
you are are selling constantly, right? Whether you're selling, if you think you're like, I'm going to hire salespeople, well, guess what? You're going to have to hot, uh, sell the salespeople on coming to work for you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? You're going to have to sell them on continuing to stay there with you. And you're going to have to sell them on the product or service that you have. Right. And so, you know, you know, this is not a choice. Number two is that sales skills are not, uh, they're, they're not born, right? You're not born with it. And so some people say, well, you know, what about so-and-so who came in? Well, they learn that through some life experiences, right? Because of the environment that they were in or some personality traits, they learn through trial and error, right? Mm-hmm. And so it's not learned. But third is that if you're going to make it in sales, is that you must, it is a requirement for you to constantly sharpen the saw and become a master of your craft. And so, you know, you said amen? (laughs) I did. (laughs) Go on. Kaylin? Yep. It just disconnected, but that's okay. okay. It's it's back on. Go on. So three, you must become a master of your craft. 100%. Yeah. I mean, you, you summed it up completely. So it's interesting. Um, there's a guy that I'm currently consulting for. And uh, one of the things we're doing is we're reorganizing our team. By the way, most episodes are like 22 minutes. So we are crushing it today. Um, <laughs> but there's a guy and he's like, no, I only want outgoing, you know, killers, hunters, whatever, whatever we want to call it, the vernacular on my team. And we had to break it down. We're like, just because they don't seem extroverted and outgoing doesn't mean they're lacking in their sales capabilities and experiences. And and your three points just completely prove that, number one, you have to be passionate. You have to love sales. You have to consistently get ongoing training and, and learn the thing you don't know. You have to build on it. You know, we all have these capabilities, um, you know, and some people, you know, they there there are innate experiences, right? So... Um, you know, there's, there's this studies of how kids grow up to be what they are and they, they pass on the DNA and some of that DNA is in the thought processes. It's super fascinating and freaky at the same time what's happening. And yet you always still have to go back and and work on it. There was a lady in shark school today, her and I were chatting and I guess her husband believe this or not. I can't even like this blows my mind says, um, she's building out her first funnel. I'm so proud of her. And she's building out her first funnel and learning the online sales part. And her business isn't, you wouldn't think it's associated with sales um, just because of, of the nature of what she does. It's a very techie type position. So she's building out her first online funnel and her husband's like, how can you do that? It's manipulative. And it's like, ooh, like there's there's something that happened in that lifestyle because everything is sales. And so I just want to honor that. So let's wrap up. Tell me, where can they go to learn more about you? I know you've got some training a lot of the people listening to this, they're in real estate. How do they find out more about you? Sure. Well, if uh, you want to learn how to acquire real estate, I've got a very, very niche product. I'm really passionate about teaching other people how to deal directly with sellers, how to lock up real estate for 60, 70 cents on the dollar. And so if you want to learn about that niche skill or general, just in, in my sales style specifically, you can go to No Limit Sales System. Dot com, no limit sales system.com. There's some free trainings there. And then if you want, you can actually buy the system. Um, and that's a good place. Follow me on Facebook, Todd Toback. Love to connect there and get to know you better. Uh, but that's the best place to reach me. Cool. I'll put on the show notes. Um, final, final question as we wrap up. What's the one thing that the listeners can do and take back and implement either into their business or into their teams? 
Um, the, yeah, the, well, I, I could tell you that cause this is something where I'm always, I'm, I'm always pushing, right. Is, uh, set really, really, really big goals. Okay. You want to, you want to learn how to play the long game, right? That is the long game. Where do you want to be in 10 years? Right. And a lot of people get lost there. Um, but you have to know, right. And then, and then with that, okay, how are you going to play your short game? right to get there right and so a lot of people just you know they're they're good at the short game good at the short game good at the short game and you're on this treadmill right where if you have your long game in place right if you if you know where you're going right you can play your short game so that you can eat today right but then have this big giant future that excites you on the horizon and add in a little blissful despair (laughs) all right thank you everybody for tuning in And again, Todd Toback, I will have everything in the show notes. This is super powerful. And we're going to wrap up with just say, know your long and your short game. You got this. Wow. If that was as powerful for you as it was for me, uh, Todd and I actually wound up staying on the line and chatting for much, much longer. I want to encourage you to take that action, take that step and do what you need to do to not only increase your sense of purpose, your passion, your, your power of influence, and also to make more money. You can do that very easily by going to kaylinellsbury.com backslash podcast. Enter in your email, and in that email, you will then receive a special report for sales leaders and salespeople on how to leverage neuroscience to gain a competitive advantage. Initially, it looks like it's just seven steps, but it winds up being pages and pages of research on how you can leverage your mindset to close that gap from where you are to where you want to be. Real, actionable, specific steps. KaylinEllsbury.com backslash podcast. We'll see you next time on Neuroscience for Sales Success. 